Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything Yellow Jacket Athletics with our engineer, Elliot Sweary. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and we were talking a little bit before we got rolling here, Matt, uh, about how we have 10 teams competing right now. And you asked, you know, has this ever happened before? No, no. it hasn't because we literally this week have winter, spring, and fall, right? All competing at the same time. I mean, it's like the, uh, it, it, it's almost like the apocalypse of crossover <laughs> seasons for sports information people because you have everybody going right now, right? Yeah, and and with the the unseasonable spring we are having with these forties and fifties and everything melting, it's going to ramp up even more because you're going to start to get these teams outside, right? Not necessarily as much this week because a couple teams are going to be taking a little bit of time off in terms of like they've got a full week off. In between now when we're broadcasting and then next week, like tennis, for instance, isn't playing again until two weeks from now. Um, but, yeah, last week especially, just nuts. I mean, we had 10 teams in action last week. That's the most ever. Um, <laughs> and it, it's another COVID-19 thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, we. Keep, I know we harp on it, but that's exactly why we have that. Well, yeah, because we would never be sitting here in the end of February and the first week of March going, well, you know, we let's play soccer. Yeah, you know exactly. they would have their they'd be having their non traditional season right, right now, yeah, yeah. but we wouldn't be talking about them potentially moving practices outside right now. No. We wouldn't be talking about the volleyball season opener right now right. because those would long be in the rearview right. mirror. So it, it, it's Normally, it's it's one of those COVID things that has made this year again unprecedented. Right. Yeah, and you know the thing about the spring sports is usually they spread out a bit just because of weather concerns. I mean, for instance, softball played two games this week. They're going to play again this coming weekend. And then they might take a couple weeks off because normally they would be heading to Florida. Right. And so they would be on the road. They'd be playing, but they wouldn't be here. Yeah. They'd be heading south where it's nice and warm. Same with baseball. You know, but as it is. Baseball, same with tennis, same with golf, same with members of track and field. They'd all be. I know there are locations that we're not having to deal with like in Superior, actually. Right. But we had most of these events happen right in Superior this week. And this was one of those, you know, really bizarro things that you see again again because of COVID-19 where things are getting bunched up because everything got put off from the fall into the spring. And so now we've got all these crossover stuff happening. And, you know, between everything that we're supposed to have during the, the from the fall coming over into the spring, not to mention the traditional spring sports, it's going to be a really hectic next couple months. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to try to get the, through it. The next um, six to eight weeks are, are going to be, some of it gets alleviated when the winter sports come to an end and that'll right. be in yeah, the yeah. next couple of weeks. But the next six to eight weeks when you start looking at the calendar and you've got all these these sports going at the same time and you start to see there's a few days in there where it's really stacked up. Yeah. And I to be it, honest with you, from a sports information perspective. It's creating a lot of anxiety among SIDs nationwide. We we've got a pretty good network on social media where we we talk and throw different ideas out. A lot of times it's just you know, you'll get an SAD on there. I need to vent about my my football coach. And they'll get it out of their system and, right. and everything. And now it's turning to the anxiety of, I have six home games today. Right. How am I supposed to cover all of this and make sure that it's the best possible in-game experience when we just don't have well, and that's the, the resources? And it's terrifying. Well, and that's the difference between, like, if you want to vent about a specific coach about a certain circumstance, that's one thing. But this is coming down to really simple, straightforward Math. things like, yeah, like <laughs> we have five events today. And I've how got, many student workers do I have? And I've <laughs> got three computers. 
something's got to give. Right. Yeah. Exactly. This is this is beyond just having a personality dispute or a situational dispute with a specific coach or a specific administrator or whatever. This is going into the very heart of what SIDs do, which is staffing games. And right. now we're down to the point of, well, I'm really worried about this because I don't have the people yeah. to be able to do all this. Yeah. And in fact, this is a conversation I had with my mom yesterday because she was asking how the spring is looking. And I said, well, from my perspective, it's not as bad as it is for John. I said, <laughs> John's got a lot on his plate right now. And I know that he's been racking his brain trying to figure out how they're going to do this. And the fact of the matter is, to be honest with you, mom, from my perspective, there is no way to do it. I've told him that he knows that's kind of where everything is going. But the good thing is, is that it's not just one school or two schools. No, it's all of us. It's everybody. It's everybody. And we, we've had some really constructive discussions at the, the conference level, you know, and, and I hope for everybody's sake that athletes, coaches understand we're, we're, we're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall right now oh, yeah. to try and figure out how to do this. And I know Jesse over at St. Scholastic and I have talked and, and said, you know, maybe there's some times in here where we can, just you know, cross over stuff. We, we can cross some things over and we can work together on all of this. The hard part being a lot of times we're at home on the same day yeah. and, and that makes it really difficult to, to work together on some of right. that stuff. And I think that's what the, what is going to end up having to happen, though, is there's going to have to be some collaboration. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be even surprised if, if some schools, like even a UMD or some of the other, you know, even Division II schools, schools out of the cities, like, I mean, even working hand-in-hand possibly with Northland over in, in Ashland, trying to just, like, if we need to just pool together all of our resources. Well, that, that's what the Twin Cities, I don't, I'm not going to say it's a luxury for them, but there's right. so many schools Division One, obviously, and there's D2 down there. There's D3s right. down there. There are so many colleges and universities in that metropolitan area right. that they have the ability to maybe work together a little bit. And you have more opportunities for fl- freelance workers down there. Right, yeah. So you, you've got more opportunity to, to cover a lot of those different things. There are only so many people in this market that are capable of and willing to do PA announcing. Right, yeah. You know, so that you... you you have to really work to figure out how you're going to get all that covered in the Twin right. Cities. They're, they're going to have well, more yeah. options to do something like that as one example. As, as a metro area of 3.5 million, you're going to have more, yep. which is what the metro area of Minneapolis-St. Paul is, versus 150,000, give or take, you know, with our market up here. You're just not going to have – we have three schools total, you know, unless we get some from maybe some interns from LSC or something. And then possibly Northland, which is 70 miles to the east. Right. You know, and that's about where we're at. Mm -hmm. Down there, like you said, they've got so many numbers. They can just pull from, you know, you've got the University of Minnesota, which has is fully staffed on everything. Um, You've got a couple of D2 schools, you know, especially Concordia St. Paul and some others. And then you've got a whole glut of D3 schools. Right. So you, and that have bigger enrollments anyway. So you're going to... Even the Division ones, there's collaboration because, yes, the University of Minnesota is fully staffed. Right. But I can't tell you how many times over the course of a year that they have Don Stoner, the SID at Augsburg, working a game for them. Right, yeah. Whether he's inputting or running a scoreboard or something right. along that line. They're very collaborative down there because yeah. they have the opportunity. Yeah. And it also is geographical for them because literally the University of Minnesota's campus Across and Augsburg the street. are... <laughs> yeah, they're like next door to each other. Right. Literally. So, I mean, it's not a big leap for him to go, for someone to say, can you go over to Williams Arena and do the Benz basketball game tonight if the U calls him? Yep. Sure. You know, because it's like a five-minute drive, mm-hmm. you know, to get to Williams Arena from Augsburg's campus. Right. It's, it's just, those are those little things, you know, that that factor in. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like a St. Thomas. Now they're going D one, but St. Thomas, McAllister, Hamlin, and you know, who am I missing in there? St. Kate's. 
St. Kate's is in there. Yep. Bethel's right down yep. the road. Yeah, I mean, they're all within enough of a of a, of, of a geographical area that they can get to each other's campuses at the drop of a hat yep. if they need to. Yep. So that's, you know, that's one of the things we don't have. We right. have Glasgow, we have us, we have UMD, yep. and LSC. That's it. <laughs> yep. You know, one of those is a JC. The other one is a D2 school. Yep. And then we've got two UMAC members. Yep. And then an additional one 70 miles away. Those are our options. Yep. So it's it's uh, it's going to be tricky, you right, know. Yeah. But uh, you know enough enough talking about that because that just that's just the, that's just the reality though. That is I reality. Mean, it yeah. is, but uh, you know we don't need to bring the listeners into that whole thing because hopefully they don't notice. Well, yeah, they you know that's yeah. that's the whole thing is if we can get through a game and they don't notice any of that, then we did the job the right way. So, right. but anyway, games. Let's talk games. games. We got Lots a lot of, of them. Games. We got a lot uh, of them the last week. As John so said, we had 10 teams in action this week. I, I feel like we should make a note of that and and put it up on the wall somewhere just because <laughs> like you and I have been associated with UWS Superior Athletics in various forms now for a very long time. And this has never happened before. Even in our busiest spells, which is usually late fall, early you know winter sports, usually where we get the most stuff happening all at once. Um, never seen anything like this, so we'll go through this quick. Uh, bear with us. There's five pages worth of notes I got to get through. So. All right, <laughs> let's pick up this pace. Then let's go. Yeah, let's go. Okay, we'll we'll lead it off with men's basketball. Three and three overall. Three and three in the UMAC. They split two games last week. Defeated Minnesota Morris seventy six sixty seven on Saturday, at Jim Grimmel's court in Morris, Minnesota. That was a nice win for them, by the way. Before falling Northwestern in their home finale. They're down 17 at one point in that game. That's I'm about to get to that. Okay. A loss to Northwestern, 69-62 to in their home finale that we know for sure now. Uh, for that was an entertaining game. That was a good game. Actually, both those games were good games. Um, against Morris, as John just uh, mentioned, Yellow Jackets trailed for the vast majority of that game. And for a lot of it, it was double figures. Uh, trailed 37-30 to at the break. And then we're down by 17 at 48-31 to with 11-24 remaining in regulation before they went on an incredible run. Well, those last 11 minutes and change, outscoring the Cougars 35 to nine for the remainder of the game to pick up the win by nine, 76 to 67. UWS shot 40.3 percent from the field, while Morris made 44.4 percent. So the Yellow Jackets were outshot by a few percentage points, but the Yellow Jackets also did all those little things that get a win on the road. They forced 20 Cougar turnovers while only committing 12 themselves, so they were plus eight in turnovers, and they also outscored the Cougars by eight at the free throw line. Excuse me, 20 to 12 in that contest. So that's how you overcome all that. Yellow Jackets had three players scoring double figures. Mason Ackley led the way, 19 points. He was 7 for 10 from the field and 4 for 7 from the stripe. Eli Vogel had 14 on 5 for 12 shooting. He was 3 for 3 from the free throw line, while Javon Walker, who continues to really impress, by the way, 13 points, 5 for 8 shooting, and he was a perfect 3 for 3 from the free throw line in that contest. So Yellow Jackets had a bit of a high, coming off that win against Morris, where they made that really big run late to win it. And then in that game against Northwestern, which I broadcasted on Monday. That was a makeup game, by the way. That game had been postponed twice. Third time's twice. a charm. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the Martin Luther game. Yep. <laughs> yeah, postponed twice. Uh, actually, that Monday, though, that was a makeup date for the entire conference to give you an idea of how much scheduling, how many scheduling snafus we've had because of COVID 19 this year. The entire league had one big makeup date. Well, I mean, it, it essentially was supposed to be the the opening of the playoffs. Right. That was, was supposed to be the first day. Yeah. That was yeah. supposed to be the, the 8 9 game on both sides and because both sides had a team that's out of the playoff right yeah completely now yeah they decided well we have a chance to make up some games let's do it so that that became the the league-wide makeup date yep yep for both men and women's team and that game against northwestern great ball game i know you were there you were uh uh uh, down the scores table i was broadcasting it up above jackets trailed 33 to 31 at halftime was a really entertaining first half went back and forth really close game throughout 
And then even in the second half, it was very tight for the most part. I think Northwestern opened up a 10-point lead at one point, 54-44, I think it was the score. But the Jackets came right back, mm-hmm. and they went back and forth again down the stretch before Northwestern ended up outscoring the Jackets 36-31 to to win it by a 69-62 score. That's a really good Northwestern team, by the way. Very, very complete team. Not at all unexpected under Tim Gross because he just, I mean, this is his 21st year, and he's now got 397 wins, I think it is. 396. It's almost 20 wins a year. He's right around 18, 19 wins a year. And for a 25-game basketball uh, schedule for college, that means that he's he's winning about 78% of his games. So he's had a huge career there, and they're always well-coached, and that was a really entertaining game to watch, like you said, John. Mm -hmm. Um, Yellow Jackets shot 42.6% for the contest, while Northwestern made 44.1%. But the biggest difference in that game was the rebounding. Jackets got, unfortunately, really, really owned on the glass. 46-22 on the glass overall for Northwestern, including 16-3 in offensive rebounds. So if the Jackets had cleared a few more rebounds, they would have been in good position to win that game. As it is, they didn't. Eli Vogel, 13 points. He was 4 for 9 from the field, 4 for 6 from the stripe. Javon Walker, 12 points. 5 for 12 shooting, 2 for 5 from beyond the arc. And Xavier Patterson had a nice game, 12 points, 4 for 8 from the field, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc, and 2 for 3 from the straight. So a split for the week, and then uh, they have playoffs coming up this week, and we'll talk more about that in the last segment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, now with the basketball season, quote-unquote, almost over, um, that's going to be a nice team, mm-hmm. I think, in a couple. And you and I both talked about it. It's like he's got some really nice, good young players on that team. They're and, so young. Yeah. They're and so young. When they grow up, you know, and as, as they grow together and play together, they're going to be a, a tough out. Yep, so agreed. Um, yeah, things going in the right direction there. Women's basketball split two games as well last week. They fell to Minnesota Morris in their home finale. 76-64 on Saturday. That was another game that yours truly broadcasted. Before defeating Saints, Glassica for the 17th straight time, 59-49 on Monday for their makeup game at Rife Gym in Duluth, although they had already placed Glassica. But it... Some of the games that were chosen were not just makeup. Some of it, dependent seating and other things like that, and geographics were also, I think, a, a, a big part of it as well, right. possibly. Yep. So, um, anyway, in that game against Morris, the Jackets trailed 17 to 13 after one, 35 to 23 at the break, and 58 to 44 heading to the fourth. The Jackets made 42.9 percent of their shots. The Cougars made 49.1, so they shot the ball real well. The Jackets got a standout game though. Kaylin Christian, she had a career high, 24 points. 10 for 19 shooting, 3 for 3 from the stripe. She was kind of took over the offense in the second half. <laughs> Tried to kind of will them back, but couldn't get them over the hump. Right. Then against St. Scholastica, it was a back-and-forth ball game over at Rife Gym. The Jackets trailed 16-9 after one. Then outscored St. Scholastica 18-9 in the second to take a 27-25 lead into the intermission. Then the Saints retook the lead after three. 45-39 after outscoring the Jackets 20-12 in the third, but the Jackets really turned it on in the fourth. They scored 20 of the 24 points that were put up in the frame, and ended up taking, like I said, their 17th straight victory over St. Scholastica. Last time Jackets lost to St. Scholastica, way back January 2011. <laughs> that's a long that's time. That's a long stretch. Yeah, that's a very that's a long, long stretch. stretch. So 17 in a row for the L Jackets over St. Scholastica. So a little bit of bragging rights there. Jackets shot 36.7% for the game. St. Scholastica made just 28.8%. Two Jackets scoring double figures. Kaya Davies with a double-double. 21 points, 9 for 12 shooting. She made two free throws and also had 11 rebounds, like I said, in the game. Kaylin Christian, 13 points. She was 3 for 13 from the field and 7 for 11 from the stripes. So they also have their tournament game coming up this week, also on Thursday, and they are also going to be on the road. We'll talk more about that as the final segment comes along. Women's hockey, they felt like kind of like the Lone Ranger playing just the <laughs> one game last week, to be honest with you, although hockey, men's well, hockey. Well, they, they didn't. They played Wednesday. 
We played Wednesday? But last week we recorded yeah, on Friday, true. so we yeah. already talked about well, it. Well, since we were last on the air. Yeah. There we go. Jackets played one game since we last recorded <laughs> the podcast. Lost to UW-Eau Claire 3-0 uh, on Friday at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire. The Blue Gold scored twice in the second and once in the third to pick up the win. UWS outshot 33-15 for the game. Mackenzie Whalen made 30 stops, and they have a pair of games this week. We'll talk more about them later on as well. Men's hockey also fell. That same Friday, 4-2 to UW River Falls at Westman Arena. Chad Lopez scored both UWS goals. He scored his first goal of the game at 5.08 of the first period on assist from Arthur Churchiev and Troy McTavish before adding his second 11.42 of the third on a helper from Jordan Martin. Unfortunately, the Falcons scored four times in between as the Jackets ended up losing that game again 4-2. The Yellow Jackets were all shot 30-29 for the contest. Oscar Svensson started in goal, played the first 48-27 for UWS, made 21 saves before being relieved by Nick Althaus for the final 11-21. Althaus finished with five stops for the Yellow Jackets. Was that an injury situation with Oscar or no? Just no. trying to change it up? Um, Yeah, because I, I think, and I don't know for sure, I actually haven't talked to Coach since before that game, okay. but uh, the fourth goal was scored from center, from, oh. the, from the neutral zone. Yeah, that's a And bad one. so I think, I think it was – he. Time to make a change. Yeah, I think okay. let's make a change. He, those are hard to recover from sometimes. So, well, those are the ones that get in your head too. Yeah, yeah. So maybe let's just get them out of there and give someone else some time. Okay. You know, Oscar's played every minute of every game so far, so let's give someone else some time. And well, especially since we're almost over. Yeah. yeah and, I mean, let's, and let's see. So yeah. I, it was not an injury. It was. I think let's just okay. let's just give him a break. Okay. Yeah, a little mental break because mm-hmm. it, it does become a grind otherwise. So. Yep. Men's and women's indoor track and field. Men were not in action. They will be, but they were not in action last week. But the women were. They hosted the UMAC Championships at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse in Superior on Saturday. The Yellow Jackets placing sixth. Is that correct? Yes. Sixth or seventh? I thought sixth. it was. Okay. It was one of the two. Yeah. 44 total points for the Yellow Jackets. U, uh, U of M Morris won the conference title with 139. Uh, the Yellow Jackets were led in scoring by Alexa DiCavato. She accounted for 16. The Yellow Jackets 44 points on the day. Finishing second in the 16-meter hurdles with a time of 10.18 seconds. She also finished third in the long jump with a distance of 4.3 meters and fifth in the high jump with a height of 1.4 meters. The 4 by 200 meter relay team of Brooke Kanan, Maddie Johnson, Claudia Androsky, and Dicavato placed third in that event, 2 minutes, 2.89 seconds, while the 4 by 400 meter relay squad of Kanan, Androsky, Johnson, and Dicavato placed fifth with a time of 5 minutes, 2.55 seconds. And in the distance relay, the team of Kenny Robilia, Nicole Koski, Nanako Hara, and Johnson placed third with a time of 15 minutes, 28.88 seconds. So that's how the scoring went on that one. Hara also placed fourth in the 5,000 meters with a time of 20 minutes, 54.30 seconds, while Kanan placed fifth in the long jump with a distance of 4.02 meters. Rounding it off for the Yellow Jackets, point getters on the day, Kasha Hewlett, who finished second in the weight throw with a distance of 13.87 meters. DiCavato and Hewlett, based on their performances, were named all UMAC for the performances in their respective events. DiCavato was named all UMAC in the 60-meter hurdles, while Hewlett was named all UMAC in the weight throw. And that completes the indoor season for the women. Men will be in action this week at their championships, and we'll talk about that in the final segment as well. Volleyball opened up their season. Feels strange to say that. Doesn't it though? <laughs> I have had such a hard time with that. I had a hard time even like that it's February and they're opening their season. Yeah, they opened up their season with a sweep of Northland College at the Mertz. That came up after women's basketball that day. And I also brought you the play-by-play on that one if you were listening on 91.3 FM. Those Jackets swept Northland 25-14, 25-17, 25-21. Jackets hit 140 for the match while Northland hit 043. 
Nine kills, eight digs for Cassie Teff. Lexi Preed had eight kills, 18 digs. Haley Atwood, 18 digs as well. At least Ertl also had a nice game defensively, eight with 12 digs for the Yellow Jackets. Men's and women's tennis. As we continue on our litany of sports that we're going, both teams played two matches this weekend. Both teams split. Both teams lost to UW-Eau Claire down in Eau Claire before returning home to defeat Bethany Lutheran on Sunday at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse. The women filled with the blue goals in a sweep, 9-0, while the men lost 8-1 with UWS's only win coming from Jake, Jacob Zacharias at the number four singles. But the both teams came back and then both swept the Vikings of Bethany Lutheran, 9-0. The women getting wins at the singles level from Maya Calloway, Emily Wald, Chiano Owa, and Callie Olson, along with forfeit wins for Olivia Roberts and Grace Nelson. Devils teams of Callaway and Owa and Walden Roberts were also victorious, while Olsen and Nelson picked up a forfeit as well at the number three doubles. Men, on the other hand, in their 9-0 win, got singles wins from Lorenzo Silva, Ryer Schomaling. I think I'm going to have a hard time with that one. Schomaling. <laughs> All year long, by the way. Clayton Turner, Gavin Tanner. Mangan. Clayton Tanner. It's a Tanner? Yes. Okay, Turner. I have it down as Turner. I must have spelled it. My spell check got me. You obviously did. Yeah, I obviously did. Clayton Tanner, excuse me, Gavin Mangan, Anthony Michaels, and Miles Dempsey all picked up wins at singles for the Yellow Jackets. Gergo Potts, Nagy, and Michael Janes also at doubles. Andre Louise and Jacob Zacharias at doubles as well, while Gus Rasmussen, Gus Rasmussen and Carl Lamont were also victorious in their doubles matches as well. Softball finished, open up their season. 0-2, the softball team lost a pair of games to UW Stout in a doubleheader down at the Bethany Invitational. Hosted at the Mankato All Sports Dome. I think that's what they call that thing yep. down there. In Mankato on Saturday in the first game, the Yellow Jackets lost by a score of 8-6 to six and then 7-6 to six in game two. In that first game, the Yellow Jackets scored twice in the second, once in the fifth and sixth, and then twice in the seventh. Just Jacobson went 3-4 for four with an RBI and a run scored. Kaylee Miller, 2-3 for three with an RBI and a run scored. Taylor Kramer started for the Yellow Jackets in the circle. Five and one-third innings pitched, 12 hits, six runs. Four of them were earned. Didn't walk anybody and struck out. Three, while Josie Steen pitched two-thirds of an inning, gave up three hits, two runs. Both of them earned. Walked one and struck out none. And in the second game, the Yellow Jackets scored all six of their runs in the third. So it's a sixth spot for the Yellow Jackets in the third. Kayla Kramer, the two Kramer sisters, by the way, both went two for four. Although Kayla, two for four with an RBI and a run scored. Taylor just went two for four, just hitting-wise. Didn't have any RBIs or runs scored or anything. Melania Medill started, started for the Yellow Jackets in their circle. She pitched an inning in the third, five hits, four runs. Three of which were earned, walked one, struck out none. Marley Bird then came in for an inning and two-thirds. Two hits, two runs, both of them earned. Three walks and zero strikeouts while Taylor Kramer finished up. Four innings pitched for her in game two. Seven hits, one earned run, one run, excuse me, zero earned runs, one walk and no strikeouts. And they're in action this coming week as well. While baseball, rounding it out here. The 10th and final team to be in action last week. They also lost a pair of games. They opened up the 2021 campaign with a pair of losses to crown last night at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, falling 9-4 to in Game 1 and then 18-4 to in Game 2. In Game 1, the Yellow Jackets scored single runs in the third and fifth innings while scoring twice in the fourth. Brandon Rolfe went 2-3 for three with an RBI and a run scored in Game 1. Isaac Grothy also 2-3. for three. Ryan Rodriguez started on the mound as far as we know. Six in a third innings pitch, eight hits, nine runs. All of them earned walk five and struck out five while Dante Bender pitched two-thirds of an inning and gave up just one hit and zeros across the board on his line for the rest of the way. And in game two, the game got out of hand pretty early. Crown scored 12 of those runs in the first inning of those 18 that they scored and never really looked back. Itawan Nader for the Yellow Jackets went three for four. Isaac Grothy and Nick Shea each finished with two hits as well. And that was basically it for that second game as they end up losing at 18 to four. And they are off this coming week, but they will be playing again 
soon and very early in the morning, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that in the final segment. <laughs> but anyway, that was the week that was. All 10 of those teams in and action. It was and a week. It was a week. It was a week. So and I'm glad I was able just to make the one mistake on the name. Right. That's a lot of information. I hope you is, all got that. It is a lot of info. A lot of info when you're talking about 10 teams in that many games. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, well so, done. Get a oh, drink of water. Take a breath. Yeah, I'll try. Thanks. Yeah, I, we'll, I'll uh, try not to pass We'll give you a timeout here for a moment. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on Eye of the Swarm. This week we're going to be joined by Yellow Jacket head track and field and cross-country coach Glenn Drexler, along with one of his male runners, Tyler Fingers. So that'll be coming up right after this break. You're listening to Eye of the Swarm. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for our roundtable segment of Eye of the Swarm, and this week we're joined by Glenn Drexler, the head coach of just about everything at UW-Superior. At uh, How does it all fit on a business card, man? It, it, we just add extra pages. <laughs> I give them a document spreadsheet of things. I feel like you should like get a business card that says coach of everything. Uh, yeah, no, just about. Uh, that'd be fine. Yeah, just, just about. about well, or, yeah, or you know, in, okay. in print, just about everything. Do you ever ask other coaches, you know, how would you handle coaching six teams? No, but you know, actually, we talk. I talk a lot about how I I envy some of the things that they get to do or do that I don't. That I, you know, my table's full always. I talked to, to Joe Mooney this morning about things how I I wish like in a, in a in a conference situation, conference championship, how I wish. I could, I could have a mid, you know, mid meet or like a halftime break to adjust our, our plan, you know, to adjust our situation. But once we put the entries in, it's all over, and I, I have to, to live with what I got. And yep. so for me, for me, it's, it's, I plan all week long, you know. So like, we're going into the championship, and I'm sure you'll get to that. But we, we, we plan, you know, almost two weeks in advance. Just every day, I'm going over scenarios to plan. But my planning is done when I put those entries and I hit the send button. It's it's over, and then it's just a matter of making sure my guys can do what they do. But yeah, I want you know to have those opportunities to say no, time out, time out. We're gonna make a switcher, bring it in the lefty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he'd love to be able to make the walk out to the mound. Right, the yeah. slow, the yeah. slow walk to the yeah, mound. The I want to do the that. <laughs> I'm sure Tyler wouldn't mind that sometimes too in the middle of a 5K. Oh, time out. Hold on. <laughs> we didn't make an adjustment in your form. All right. <laughs> Your release point isn't quite where it needs to be. <laughs> the other member of the roundtable this morning, Tyler Finger, who is one of Coach Drexler's runners, and we were talking a little bit prior to hitting the record button. Actually, Elliot probably had already hit the record button, but a little bit about the the 5K, and uh, your quote was, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> this, this event sucks. <laughs> I like honest answers, though, and we like honest answers. That's... Blunt is good. Blunt is good. Well, it's kind of a different, like, mindset, isn't it? Like, if, if you're a speed guy or girl, you run your 100 meters, 200 meters, maybe 400 meters as quick as is possible. But the distance is all about pacing. And 
See, my mind, and this is, I think, where you would go if you're a sprinter and you're having to do that, is, holy cow, I've got this far to go. You've got 24 more of these laps to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, instead of, like, the mindset's completely different, even though, you know, the, the, the body action is a little bit the same in terms of, like, mechanics in a way. It's just a different execution of the running idea. Yeah, well, so the one thing we talked about, I'm going to let Tyler expand on that, but ultimately we all know it's going to suck. I mean, that's, there's no getting around that. You know, we talk, you know, talk to our athletes before they get to this race, whatever it is. And I, I like looking at the 800. I mean, that one's just, that one's just pure death. I mean, pain all the way around. And Tyler's, you know, that's what he's going to talk about here. And it hurts and we all know it, but for that, you know, whatever it's going to be two, two minutes or, you know, two, two minutes plus for the women, it's going to hurt for a, for a very, you know, that short period of time. But those, t- you know, if anybody, anybody's worked out, you know, a minute is really long when it's a minute, when you're working out, when it's, when it's painful, um, compared to, you know, sitting and watching your kids, you know, a minute's in a second. Right. But when you're on that track and running, you know, that's a long time and it hurts like hell. <laughs> but Tyler, what do you think, man? Well, I don't know. For me, the, the 5K is too much time to think. True. I don't like to be able to think. 800, it's like, okay, there's not enough time to think. It's just, just go do it. Just do it. Get yeah. it and just run fast. Simple, pretty simple. Go out hard and hold on. Um, but the 5K, I'm sitting there with my thoughts like, wow, this is fast. This is hard. And even in a mile, not enough time to think. Just You got to just do it. Right. And it's, it's, uh, for me, mentality is easier in the mile for me. Okay. Just, does, does the mind wander at all? I mean, you're, you're talking about being with your thoughts there and – you know, I'm not built for running at all, obviously, but, you know, a 5K is a considerable distance and it takes a while. Does your mind wander away from the task at hand? Um, Start thinking about homework or... I'm not going to say that it never has, <laughs> but um, the, I, I try to not let it. I know in, in cross, especially in cross country, when we're in 8,000 meters, like I've, I've definitely like just kind of just numbed out my mind and it's just all over the place. And then it's like, oh, wow, holy cow, uh, I've still got... 3,000 meters to go. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, we work with these guys about too, is just, you know, focus. I mean, lo- if you lose focus in a, you know, in a distance race, you know, any, anywhere from 800 up to, you know, 8,000 meters in, in Tyler's case in cross country, you lose focus for a, for a minute, you could lose the race. You know, you lose focus for even half a minute, you could lose a race. Um, so it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to stay focused 25 laps on an indoor 5k i mean that's that's something that's hard to to do and so to tyler's point you know to be able to run and just you know too short to, to think about it absolutely you know just get out there and just go hard and, and not really think but just do um is good you know don't think me just just throw the ball <laughs> so but you know in these guys case it's it's hard to 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 stay focused over the course of a 30 minute race you know or or even a you know five minute race at times. So, is it something you work on? I mean, do you obviously? Yeah, yeah you 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 can work on you know in practice. You work on your your stride. You work on your breathing. You work on all of those things. Do you work on the mental aspect of it at all? Probably not as much as we want to, um, but but something we we try to you know. And I I think we try to remind them of of things of you know, especially in workouts. We're we're yelling at you know talking about focus and things like that as far as you know, you're doing lap repeats and you're trying to hit a, a time. Um, you can even wander within a, you know, a thousand meter repeat, 
But if we're talking about, hey, you know, just try to try to stay on track here, you know, uh, pardon the pun, but le- legitimately staying on track with within your your mental aspect of of running those repeats, so you're not going out too quick, too hard, and then blowing up, and then we can't finish a workout or in this case a race um, the way we want you to. So there is, but but as far as how to practice it, it's it's there's no easy simple way to describe that. Um, except just to keep reminding everybody of, of what their job is and what it is we want them to accomplish. So, Well, I mean, it's interesting because John and I come from team sports, and there's a lot of talk about team sports psychology involved where coaches come in and they try to, you know, motivate their athletes through this strategy or this technique. Um, you know, every coach before just about a team event, and I don't know how your, you know, pre-meet speeches go, but they always come in and say, here are our goals, here's what we got to do. I want you guys also to have fun, though, and be loose. Enjoy yourselves out there, but this is the things we got to do. Um, I guess it would be really intriguing for me to see what a track and field coach or a cross-country coach says to his or her athletes. Yeah. You well, know. We, you know, we've been reminding them all week long, this week and last week even, about um, making sure that, they're, that they are staying focused, that they are working on, you know, breathing techniques, working on positive, you know, mental imagery, positive mental thoughts, um, it, it all applies, you know, as it would to a, to a team sport because, you know, especially when we get into those, those longer distance races too, for instance, um, if you're, if you're concentrating and focusing on those splits and, and continuing to know what that feels like, and that's something we talk about in a training sense, you know, what does this feel like? What does this rate pace feel like? And if you can maintain that feel, okay, that's going to be a good place. If you think it's too comfortable, it probably is, and you've probably lost focus, and you've probably, you know, dropped off pace. So, don't get comfortable. You know, those are some of the pieces that we're talking about. But definitely, you know, from throws to to runners to sprints to distance, we're talking about, you know, different events, different things, but techniques, paces, you know, splits, those kind of things. Um, so yeah, we're we're working on the mental side of things as well. Just how to apply it to each individual is is going to be different and. And everybody's going to take it differently too. How do you approach it? Like what I know when I played, I had a mental checklist that I would kind of go through in my head prior to a game. And we would have our quiet time in the dressing room where you just kind of go through, okay, in this face off situation, I do this, I do this. What is your mental checklist as you are preparing? Um, I usually, I, I try not to think about it too much because then I'm just going to psych myself out. Um, I mean, obviously I, you know, I'm talking with my coaches beforehand, like, you know, depending on what race it is, like, hey, this is what we're going to try and run, um, whether it be this pace. Um, and then it's nice if you can look at the, like, your competitors and see, okay, this guy has ran this fast before, and hopefully he'll be trying to go that fast so you have someone to do it with because it's easier to do it with someone that rather than by yourself. But at the end of the day, it just comes, to, like, for running for a time purpose, it's just how, how much are you willing to make it hurt. Um, you know, that's basically the at least how I view running, it's like, how much are you willing to, how much pain are you willing to endure? Because the faster you go, the more it's going to hurt, but um, how much are you willing to take or willing to give? And at least that's how I, that's how I like to look at it from a distance runner's perspective. Yeah, and I, and I think that's something we, we talk about with them a lot is, is it's, again, we go back to that same statement earlier, is it's going to hurt. Can you accept it? You know, can you go with it? Can you be able to pull that off? or not and and if you if you can't you know then then we're gonna go back to the you know training again and get back to working more i guess but but that's the statement right there how how bad 
can you make it hurt and maintain that position, that, that pace? So, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the championships coming up. Well, let me rephrase that. Let's talk about the championships because this, the whole year has been strange with the split, with women one week, the men the next week. Last weekend, the women's championship was at our place this weekend. The men are at St. Scholastica. Uh, for me, I just, it, it seems so quiet and, and empty when you only have the one gender going. I, that, that, that's had to have been an incredible adjustment for, for you as a coach and for the athletes. Yeah, it's been, the whole thing has been obviously challenging for everybody and, and it's been strange and whatever. Um, so number one, I think we're fortunate to have something, okay? And, and, and the fact that Scholastica and us have facilities to host and we can make something happen has been awesome. So for that, we're, we're pretty, pretty very, you know, happy that we've got this. We're fortunate, we're lucky, et cetera. Um, but first, you know, we've been missing a lot of stuff too. You know, getting on that bus does something you know i mean getting on that bus makes a change in people's you know mindsets or attitudes and they're ready for something you know they they feel that we haven't had that this year really you know at all for us you know getting driving over separately is is one way to do it that for us for scholastica for the men but the women haven't got that at all so that's a hard a hard transition um mentally as far as preparing for a, a day event um so there's that uh Energy, you know, you're right. It is quiet. You know, even when we go to our men's meets or the women and their meets, um, it's it's pretty quiet. There's not a, as much energy in the facility as, as you'd like there to be. Um, the one thing the guys have going for us is that we got to see what the women's meet was like. And to that point, I, I brought it up to the guys on Monday. I said, at early on in that meet, the women from Morris manufactured energy. They, they kind of everything they could do to bring up the energy. They would be cheering, even if it wasn't for a big deal of a, of a, of a jump or a throw or whatever it was, but they would get excited intentionally. And you could tell it was intentional. You could tell it was manufactured. But it, it, it morphed into an organic thing that allowed them to gain energy, and it kept growing throughout the day, and you could feel it. And it was like, that's important. you know. And, and I, we pointed it out to our guys on Monday saying, we need to start preparing ourselves to be able to build our own energy because we're going to need it and we're going to perform better when we have that excitement, that energy, that, that stuff kind of flowing through you. And so we're trying to, you know, talk about those things a little bit as far as, you know, we got to support each other and, you know, we're missing pieces too. And in a normal situation, there's things that we do throughout the week of the championships or even the season that are preparing ourselves for this moment and a lot of that we just can't do because of space and availability and, and masking and whatever. Um, so like some of the stuff, you know, a meal that we would have championship, you know, Eve, it's something that helps bring us together. And we talk about things that have happened through the year and what brought us to this moment and, and how to prepare for the next day. And all of that's unable, we're not able to have that anymore, which, which hurts, you know, so it's going to, how we prepare for this meet is is far different than we've ever done before. It's lacking some things. And and I and I feel like I've let them down a little bit in the sense that I don't have all the things we would normally do. But with that, it it is what it is. It's the new reality of, of where we're at right now. And so we're gonna continue to work on all the things that we can do to take the place of what we have had, but to make it as best we can. So we'll see what happens. 
from an, an athlete standpoint, I mean, how do you, how do you answer coach when, when he starts throwing that at you about, yeah, we have to manufacture our energy and we, we got to count on ourselves because we don't have anything from the outside, whether it's the, the women's team with you or spectators or, or any of that. No, I, I think, uh, I think uh, Glenn's definitely right talking about that. We have to, you know, bring our own energy because we don't have like fans screaming at us. So I could, a test from an athlete's perspective like when i'm running those hard laps like it helps to have people screaming at me um especially when we were, i was you know at the end of the uh first day last year running that dmr in the relay just everybody just on the track screaming at me um and it it helped tremendously it helps uh, just your energy being able to helps me run faster at least um and and yeah if we can i think if we can uh bring as much as we can as much of that energy as we can uh, to this meet on Saturday, I think it'll help tremendously. Well, it's a heck of an adjustment to have to make, yeah. really. I mean, John and I have both seen it with our, t- with our respective sports that we broadcast. I've seen it with basketball. I've seen it with hockey. It's a different feel this year. You can't rely on fans to get you going or cheerleaders or music other than warm-ups or anything else. To get you. It's up to you. you got to create your own energy. Uh, and I know some of the coaches have specifically spent time and practice working on it. You know, when you're not in the game here or, or not competing, here's what you need to be doing. Because these guys or girls out here are going to need it because they are competing. But they're going to need your energy to help lift them up. Because, And I would think in a, in a sport like track and field especially, that is really important. Because like you said, it gives you that extra push. Because in the longer events, you're already, as, as you, know, you and Glenn have already talked about, Tyler, there's going to be pain. But if you've got somebody backing you up, then you, it, it becomes easier to say, yeah, it hurts, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And everybody's behind me. Instead, now it's, I got pain and there's nobody here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just a simple adjustment in psychology, but I would think that that would make a big difference. And maybe uh, Tyler and, and Glenn, both of you can speak to that. That's a huge change. Yeah, well, I think, too, you know, you know we've, been, we've been talking about the distance side of things and that endurance side, but even those short events the jumps and the throws i mean you know you think about i compared to something that a lot of people can understand you know lifting in the, in the weight room if you've got a little bit more energy for that one big you know one time one rep max you need you need to feel that energy you need to feel that adrenaline pumping through you to be able to put that thing up and, and you get excited because you know hey this is going to be a big time move for me same thing with these throws and jumps and in practice a few weeks ago i i had a kid who you know Andrew Gar- Garbakowitz, uh, he, he, he's a vaulter, never cleared higher than 11.6 or 11.9 or something like that in high school. Um, we got him over 12.6 in practice, you know, and, and, and that was the biggest vault he's ever had, which was pretty cool. But we needed to get some energy. And, you know, I, nobody else knew what was going on in the, in the field house, but all of a sudden I started, you know, screaming at him and yelling and, you know, trying to get some energy because this is going to be it right here. And he did it. And everybody was paying attention to that effect I was yelling and all of a sudden there was, there was this little brief moment of energy that just came up and he hit that vault and he made it and everybody just exploded and I was like there it is that's that was part of how we manufacture that that energy but somebody needs to start it somebody needs to remind people that this is it um, so they can get fired up and then that kid can react to that you can feel it you know what I mean you walk into that moment and you can feel that so well, and going again to Tyler, um, in between events, are you pretty vocal? Are you one of those guys that's pretty vocal when you're not running an event, but somebody else is on your team? I mean, are you 
generally one of those guys, or are you trying to focus on what you got to do next? Um, I like to try to be. Okay. Um, no, I have. I'm, I'll admit I haven't been perfect when it comes to comes to that because usually I'm just you know off focusing. Well, I got another event to run. Right. Yeah. So I'm either you know maybe warming up, cooling down, because um, those are also important for for me to succeed as much as I want my teammates to succeed. Uh, so. But I mean, I, I I try to be pretty pretty vocal. Like if I'm even if I'm like cooling down on the track and I see like, you know, one of the guys throwing, I'm in the ring. I'll I'll try and you know cheer him. Say on. something to him. Yeah. Um, or yell something to him. Yeah. I think at the last meet I kind of uh, went a little late, um, and right as he's starting his motion, then I said something and I um, probably wasn't the smartest decision <laughs> on my part. Might have him off a little bit. <laughs> uh, but you know, I mean, just the yeah the idea of or if it's like say I'm going around and someone's jumping. Um, you know, try and, and, and cheer him on. And I think, uh, you know, no matter, like what Glenn said, no matter what event, whether it be sprints, jumps, throws, distance, um, it anything helps. Right. Um, That's kind of like the thing also with no spectators and nobody else. Because even if the other teams are in there yelling for their, you pick up on that too. Because everybody, yeah. for people who don't know about track meets and have never attended one either outdoor or indoor, it's like a cacophony of noise. Everybody's yelling at everybody else. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, there's not, you know what I mean? But they're all cheering. They're not. With put, the occasional yeah, gunshot in the middle. <laughs> yeah. There's a gunshot that the event starts, but all the energy for everybody is very positive. And it isn't just the fact that, and you've, we've seen this with marathons, John, because you and I have, have broadcasted Grandma's Marathon before. It's a very all-inclusive event where everyone, all the energy is positive. And in track and field and in cross country, and I feel like also in, in things like marathon situations, it's a very unique sports thing to have all of the energy be positive. Because you're not gonna have any heckling going on, like you might have in some other sports. You know what I mean? Like that—that that is a little bit absent in a way. But no, there's so none much of the like you're basically in baseball. Yeah, but there's a lot of like all of Your the athletes. Coach is giving me a look like, well, <laughs> occasionally there, there might, might be some. <laughs> but I mean, by and large, everyone's just cheering for their person to push it. Yeah, for sure. And that is something that you just don't see in a lot of other sports. And I would think having not only not having spectators that are supporting you, but spectators that are supporting everybody else that's running too. Yeah. It's a very odd change, yeah. You know, and, and how the entire atmosphere of the event goes. Yeah, and and I, you know, uh, to that earlier point too. I mean, even our guys don't always know how to cheer for each other. You know, but we're we're all they're all learning. You know, and and know when and how and why. But you know, we you try to remind them that sometimes it doesn't even matter how or when. It just matters that you do. You know, and and just getting them out there, getting them cranked up. Um, you know, occasionally get these. Any of our other athletes coming over and watching a distance race, like I don't know how to watch that race. You know, you guys kind of mentioned that earlier too, and and yeah, I said, well, ask them, ask them what what they need. You know, one, and then two, if you get to to an idea of, I I tell anybody who's watching, I says, if you know what they're trying to run for for a time, you can start to get an idea what their splits should be, and when you start watching splits happen. As boring as it may seem initially, it, it's actually kind of exciting because you're like, oh, he was right on that one. Oh, he was right on that one. And every in an indoor meet, every twenty, you know, two hundred meters, you get you get immediate feedback of where they're at and how they're doing. Uh, so you can start to know how to how to cheer um, for them. And then throws, same thing. I mean, you start to watch things and you hear what that mark was. Oh, that line's about eleven meters. Oh, that mark's about 11, 12 meters. You know, whatever it is, and you can start to like. Well, that was a big throw because that was past the one he had before that. If you're paying attention, it, it becomes exciting and it becomes something that you can start to see. Um, but 
sometimes you just don't know how to start to watch for those things, you know. So, but we're, we're, we try to remind them to get out there and, and pay closer attention to what their teammates are doing and, and allow them to, to be knowledgeable about what's happening. I'm going to jump back quick because you, you made reference to getting your mind ready for another event and being, again, I, I played hockey. So once you're in the game, you're in the game. Right. And you go from running an 800 like we talked about to, okay, now I have to get my mind right for a relay or for something else. How do you deal with that? Because I'm, there's different preparations and different mindsets you have to be in for different events you're competing in, right? I would say, yeah, for the most part, um, it's possible. I mean, uh, like, I mean, just, just last week I, I ran the 800 and then um, had to transition to a 5K um that's a big jump <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks you, coach yeah i'm not gonna lie <laughs> uh, big jump. i like to punish um or even like at, at, at conference uh these every conference meet that i've ran i've always had to run multiple events and you know uh i had to my goal my job was to do well in those events and, and score points for the team um so uh like you know last year i ran four events at conference um and just one after the other it's like all right Oh, on to the next one. And I, I kind of try to keep a similar mindset because um, I, I, for me, the mindset's kind of uh, similar, whether it be, you know, eight, 800 mile, 3K. Um, uh, I know, like, I just, I got to, I got to be towards the front, um, at least at a, at a conference championship uh, perspective. But I try to just, um, you know, I know it's going to hurt. I just try to not think about it. Um, yeah, like, and like I said before, the, the less I think about it, it's probably better off for me. Do you I, like, and this is the kind of what you were saying, John kind of leads me into my question. Do you prefer running individual like 800s or 5Ks or do you like to do the relay thing? Like what, what do you prefer? Um, I usually don't get to run a lot of relays being, uh, being cause we don't have many distance relays. Right. Um, but occasionally we'll get to, to run a couple and, uh, I think more relays are more fun. Okay. Um, there's four guys, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. And, you know, it's more you, you, like you guys were talking about earlier, more of a team aspect um, to it than just you know, it's just me running an individual event, right? Um, but it's more fun, like being you it's know more interactive. Yeah, more interactive. Yeah, because you guys can set like strategies and yeah, you know, this is where we're going to try to mark by the time you know the baton gets passed to me. This is where I want where we want to be. The four, you know, if we're if I'm leg three or from leg four or from leg one, this is where we want to be you know, at the relay stage. And yeah, I mean, that's a, it's completely different. It's one of those interesting things I think in, in track and field that you see, because we think of track and field, a lot of us as an individual event, my favorite events to watch in any track and field competition are the relays. And maybe that's because I'm a team sports guy, but I like to see that interaction between the athletes to see where they're at, where their heads are at. And, um, you know, if I was a track and field athlete, that would definitely be my favorite thing to do. Well, you know, a couple points to make, and you guys asked about preparation and stuff and, and, from an athlete standpoint, and I think I think the important thing to point out is you can have a really bad race, all right, in in race one, and you go down the tubes. Now you got to come back and run another race. What do you do, right? And and we really go into you know psychologist mode at that point as a coach and and have to kind of correct things at times. You know, basically set them back up to zero again, so we're not down in the dumps and going to run a bad second race because ultimately 
we need them to forget about it. It's, it's over. It's done. We can't change that. But we need to step up and do this next thing, you know. And so mental preparation is, is key, especially when they do poorly, but even when they do well or just average, whatever it is. But we always got to, okay, let's reset, restart, get ready for this next one because we need you now, you know. What's done is done, even if it's good, bad, otherwise, we need you now. And so there's pieces there that we're always watching. Um, and, and for better or worse, you know, I, I think Tyler understands, we, we know our athletes pretty well, and we know what triggers them. And so if something goes bad, we're right away, we're perking up to watch how are they reacting, how are they, how are they moving around right now, how are they looking, or did they go hide themselves somewhere, and then we got to do some major, you know, mind work for that for that next race you were talking about before we went on too and i I imagine that's where a halftime an intermission period or something would be really beneficial not just for you but for the athlete too. yeah you know there was it was a moment this last weekend with the women's race where we had an athlete who had just finished a race um and they were really hard on themselves harder than they probably should have been in fact it was kind of strange because they they did really well all things considered. I mean, it was a good race, best race they had all year, shortened year, whatever, but it was a really good race. But they were very hard on themselves. And the hard part is we had to turn them around and really put them in the next, almost the next very next race practically. And I needed an answer. I needed a response of, can you do this or not? I mean, if you can't, that's fine. We'll, we'll find somebody or we'll do something different. But ultimately, I need a response. They weren't able to give me a response. They were so caught up in their own emotions. Well, teammates helped. You know, teammates calmed. Teammates, you know, got a reaction, got a response, and and we moved along. Ended up, they did very well in this next race. The team had a good race in this relay, and it changed the the whole mental side of, of things for everybody. You know, not even the you know girls that just ran it, but the but the rest of the team too. So it was a big shift in, in everybody's attitude after that second one, even though just not even 10 minutes before, it looked ugly. It looked grim for everybody, um, and then what a shift. But it was a very quick turnaround to decide mentally how to get ready for something that they just weren't ready to do. So it was an interesting day. Along that line, what, what did you see that you liked last Saturday in the women's championships? Who, who stood out and did things you really liked? Everybody. I mean, our, our our team was so depleted. You know, in August uh, last, you know, August of 2020, I had about 30 some gals on the expected roster, and we were going to be strong, and we were going to be good, and we were going to contend for a championship. And by by September, October, we were down to about 20 some, and then we get to January, and we're down to 11, and it just kept falling apart. And it was nobody's fault. Just people weren't comfortable coming back, and I don't blame anybody. Um, and we respect that. And, and I, you know, it is what it is. But we go to battle with who we got. And so when we show up for the championships with our 10, 11 girls, and you know, they're they're patched together with popsicle sticks and duct tape and you know whatever else we can find. Um, but they're doing everything they can. And we asked a lot of them, as we always do, no matter if we're healthy or not, we're asking a lot of our athletes because we want to do really well. And, uh, and our girls stepped up and, and did everything they possibly could. Uh, I know that there's, there's some girls who are disappointed that they couldn't do more for their team, you know, 
but they did a lot. Uh, so watching the, the efforts of every one of them was impressive because I knew where their gas gauge was, and it was on empty the whole time. But they just kept giving, and it was fun. Um, you know, watching that end of that DMR where we were down by about 100 meters and watching Maddie Johnson close it off and, and fin- you know, beat that girl at the end there was, was I think that brought up everybody's spirits. I mean, that was our, that was our big win for the day, um, and it was a fun one to watch happen, even though we had some other performances that might have been you know, on the paper better. Um, that was just something that brought everybody's spirits up because we knew we still fought. You know, we still had some fight in us, and it meant something. I imagine looking forward. It's hard to forecast down the road, especially in, you know, the time that we're in right now. But I imagine down the road you're going to be set up pretty well on the women's side then because you talked about, you know, we had 30, 30 people on the roster. We liked where we were at. We were going to be good. We were going to be hard to compete against. I, I The ones that you lost for one reason or another, I imagine some of those are going to be back. That's when, our goal. When, and, we, when and, we get yeah, to August. Yeah, that's our goal and that's our intention. And I think that's their intention right now. Um, so, you know, if, if everything goes as planned, yeah, we'll be, we'll be back a lot stronger than we, we've been in a while. So that'll be good. Um, but that still takes work on our end to make sure that we're, you know, tending to those, um, those that are gone and, and making sure that they're still wanting to come back and, and knowing that they're, they're cared about and we want to see them back here and, Performing for us. In essence, you're recruiting your own athletes. We're recruiting our own athletes over, you know, again, you know, whether they're seniors or or freshmen that haven't started yet. So yeah, we're we're recruiting them multiple times. <laughs> Let's flip over to the men now because they're obviously that's the the one that's just ahead of us here on mm-hmm. Saturday over at Saint Scholastica. What what do we anticipate coming up on that day? When is this thing aired? <laughs> be until after the meet's over. Probably not until after. So yeah. here, here's the thing. <laughs> That's a great question. That's the first time we've ever had that never question. had that before, yeah. and it's awesome. Um, here's the deal. As I mentioned, uh, I kind of alluded to earlier, I spend all the time in the days and weeks leading up to the championship kind of going through scenarios and trying to plan our our entries. And that's the only time I get to work on it. And I... I I tend to stay pretty tight-lipped about it to everybody. Even our own team still hasn't – we still haven't let them know what they're all doing yet. And it's it's Wednesday, you know, before the championships, and, and some of those guys still don't know exactly what they're doing yet because we're still taking out scenarios and trying to find the best options we have to, to do the best we can as a team. Um, so with that being said, uh, I, I still don't have a final idea because we're, I'm still figuring some stuff out. And, and I don't like to kind of let that out until on Friday morning when those entry, you know, heat sheets come out, and then that's my cards have been played. And that, at that point, everything that I've been thinking about the last three weeks is, is now on the table, and I can't change a thing. Um, again, the only thing I can change after that, that day you know, is relays because at that point I can swap people into relays at any time with anything. That's the only change I can make. You know, if we get to a meet and I've got Tyler in, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I want to pull him from X, well, if I pull him from X, he's gone from X, Y, and Z and any relay opportunities. So I can't change anything once it's played out. And so that's why I I asked the question of when is this aired? Because (laughs) I don't want to play my cards yet. That's respectable. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, 
Well, let, let's ask Tyler. What are you? What's your mindset? <laughs> so we're well, going to no, bypass I'm, the coach. And go I'm right asking to you. The, the more the mindset though going in, not so much the the individual event. I mean, you guys have had a lot of success in indoor men's and you know men's track here in the last few years. Won a bunch of conference titles. What's your mindset going into Saturday? I mean, are you still working on that? I mean, obviously you've got a couple of days yet, but what's your overall mindset heading into Saturday? Um, for for me going into going into this weekend, it's just you know do whatever I can to help uh, help help my team help my team win. Um, it's and honestly, it's as simple as that. Okay. Um, and um, kind of sounds uh, um, pretty pretty simple, but um, What's the best way I can help my team win is by winning any event that I'm in. Right. Um, so that's you know that's obviously goals for me. Um, that'd be be really nice if I could pull that off. Um, can make no guarantees, but that's I think that's you know what I'm what I'm shooting for. And you know, best way I can help my team po- uh, win is by getting the most points I can. What's your favorite event to compete in? The outdoor fifteen hundred. Okay. Wow, it's actually a, a really good segue because I was going to ask next about <laughs> the outdoor season because it appears that we are having a nice spring. Um, that can always change with the Knock on wood, the mid March blizzard that happens or the April blizzard, but things are progressing nicely. How does the outdoor season stand right now? I wish I had an answer for that. Hmm. Uh, you don't have to be tight lipped on this. Yeah, one. yeah, you can right. Tell us. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. I, um, yeah. As a conference for indoor, we were able to pull together a schedule that worked and allowed us to compete. For outdoor, it's going to be a little more difficult because there are fewer outdoor facilities within the conference. And the, the meets that we typically go to around the region, between Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, um, are going to be limited with what they're going to be able to do. And due to either numbers that they can have within a, uh, an event or state regulations to what, what they're allowed, or even conference. You know, um, The WIAC, for instance, right now, currently is under the plan of they're going to do conference-only outdoor meets. That's the current setup. Um, the MIAC has some other things that they're going to do that, that could limit opportunities for everybody. The NSIC also will be very limited with what they can do, which means that some of the meets that we typically go to, we may not get into. And that now forces us to try to find something else. I've got right now, I've got a probable, one probable and, a, and another maybe. Out of, you know, six, seven potential weekends, I've got maybe two that I can think of that are close to being a reality. So it's a little unnerving that we have gotten this far and we don't know. But I talked to the coaches around the region, both Division One, Two, and Three. And they're saying the same thing. They just don't know yet. So it's we're all kind of in the same boat of, well, we think we're going to do this, but we don't know. So, and a lot of it, you know, revolves around conference decisions and administrative decisions. Um, you know, to be honest, some, some, some organizations, conferences, are, are, look like they're almost stepping backwards. Um, so it, it makes it harder for anybody to kind of have a decision on what that will look like. Will we have a season? Yes. And that's where we're going to try to find something, make something happen. It just may be more limited, unfortunately, than we were expecting it to be. Is this where you, you talk with St. Scholastica and, you know, Nish over at UMD and say, how can we 
put and, something together and up that's here, already whether been, it's using UMD or Superior that, High School or something. That's something that's already been brought up multiple times. Um, the The catch now is is you know, UMD is the one outdoor facility that's in the Twin Ports that's really usable for collegiate meet. And they're, for better or worse, just they're not able to allow outside entities coming in yet for rentals. So I know I couldn't rent it to host a meet right now. Or Scholastica couldn't rent it to host a meet. Um, could UMD host a meet? Yes, they could, but they're going to have limitations on what they can do. Um, I, I know that Nish would, would probably, you know, if we're able to, he, he would allow us in. But that may not be up to him either. So that could be, you know, a tough position for him as well. Just like we would have loved to have had UMD over for an indoor meet, but we went to conference only, and that kind of took that out of the out of the cards for them. Um, and you know, watching them, they had one meet prior to conference for their men. Um, it was the week before, you know, oh. so they got one chance to qualify, and that was it. And then they got to go to the conference championships if they qualified, and that was all they, the men had, which is just really tough. It was interesting so. that you bring up UMD because at the when I worked my other job through the YMCA. There are a couple of UMD track runners that I also work with. And I was asking them how their season was going for the indoor side. And they said, you know, we're really, we're, we're kind of stuck because we're used to running the events that we qualify for. Our qualifying races are usually either hosted by Scholastica or by UW Superior. And we haven't been able to run in either one of those events because of COVID. So we're really kind of flying blind at a certain level because we really don't have you know, we've, they've had to kind of piece together things. They had to go up to Bemidji. They had to go down to Mankato, which they would normally not do as a qualifying. They, they, they prefer to stay pretty close to home. And usually Scholastica and us here at UW-Superior, we host a few events and, and a few meets, and it allows them to come over and compete. But they were saying that they really missed it. Like the athletes were really kind of stuck because they couldn't go to Scholastica and they couldn't come to UWS to compete. And so they just didn't have the reps, and they didn't know where they were. So, yeah, it made for a very difficult situation for UMD, and I'm glad that Glenn brought that up because that echoes what they told me at work when I've asked how their season is going. It's just been very – it's very odd and it's very, um, you know, discombobulating for them because they, they literally went down there flying blind pretty much for the most part. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a domino effect, I think, across the board, and it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in outdoor now too after the indoor season is over. You prefer outdoor? To indoor, I imagine. I yeah, I do. Big Even the, though you have the climate control of a field house on indoor, as opposed <laughs> to thirty mile an hour winds and potentially sideways rain on the outdoor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I've I've ran uh, I've ran some 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 races in snow before um, on the track. Ugh. Cross country is kind of expected, but on the on the on the track, you don't really think that it's gonna um, snow during your during your fifteen hundred. Um, but it's happened before. Um, but yeah, I like the the out the outdoor mostly just less turning on the on the outdoor track. <laughs> uh, those tight turns on the indoor it it it, it, get, it eventually gets to you, um, and it's it's easier to run faster when you're going straight instead of turning. As it kind of I suppose kind of takes away some of that pain, quote unquote pain that we were talking about earlier. If you're going outdoor versus indoor. Not really. <laughs> At least on the turns, it has a whole new element because you got the thirty mile an hour wind. Oh, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I Depends think, on the, yeah on the day. I think too though. I mean, you know, we we've been cooped up all all winter long, and you get to outdoor and just you feel like you can breathe again. Oh yeah, it just the whole thing, the attitude changes, everything. You know, getting to, to warmer weather, you know, and, and I know especially for our Wisconsin kids, you know, we we go down to lacrosse 
fairly often. And we try to get to some of these meets that have a, a twilight type situation. And to run under the lights at lacrosse is something special. I mean, in, in Wisconsin, for these kids that are coming out of Wisconsin, to run at lacrosse is a big deal. That's where the state meet is, and the state meet is a spectacle. And to be able to go down there and compete in that stadium, which is Huge. arguably the best track in, in the state of Wisconsin, probably the best track in the state of Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, it's, it's a fantastic facility. And they do it right. You know, even their regular season meets are done at a, at a very high level. And they put the right people in the right place, and they got the right athletes there, so it makes a big deal. So you know, I, I can I can almost imagine if if he had to tell me where his favorite place to run is, it'd be under the lights at lacrosse. If I'm not mistaken, it might not be, but top oh, yeah. three for sure. Oh, I mean, lacrosse is one of my favorite places to to run. I mean, it's just it's it's so it's so fun to run it on there, yeah. um, and just the competition is those boys are elite too yeah. that I'm running against. So I know it's going to be fast. Yep. Um, I haven't quite got to uh, run under the lights yet. I've been like close where it's just like dusk. They have the lights on, but it's not quite dark yet. Yeah. But I'm always like right at like, um, you know, end of May where it's 7 o'clock. It's not quite dark yet, but I'm like, it's getting yeah. there. Yeah, haven't quite made it to, to nighttime yet, at least in the 1500. But yeah, it's a, it's a special place to be. And it, just being outdoors, um, you know, on a big oval is, is, that's what track and field is meant for. You know, I mean, indoor, we do a good job and, it's it's a good place to be for us, and we need it around here. But but to get outdoors is you know people have been training for a good chunk of the year, and they're they're in their best shape of their season, you know, of the year, and they're ready to pull off some some good marks, whatever their event they are doing, and it's that's the fun place to be. Does go good? Okay. Does the surface matter, like indoor versus outdoor? Is that they're technically? I mean, depends on what you're talking about. They're okay. mostly the same. I mean, the the surface at at lacrosse is the same surface we have at our indoor track. It's mondo. It's the fastest stuff on on the, okay. the earth, you know. And it's the stuff that's been used at the Olympics, the last twenty Olympics, whatever it's been. Um, you know, mondo's the the deal, and and the track surfaces are more or less the same. Okay. From indoor to outdoor, anyway. So I just wasn't, you know. It's just the sure. turns. The turns are tighter, you know. Okay. And if you talk to sprinters, especially, you know, they're going to want that bigger oval for sure. You know, distance runners too. I know that, but but sprinters really get affected by those tighter turns. Okay. Um, so they'll they'll take an outdoor track as well. That's interesting because I wasn't sure if the surface inside was the same as the surface surface outside. I I, I literally had no idea, so I just mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that the surfaces were at least comparable and if they affect anything in terms of yeah. in terms of timing or anything. No, they're, they're, they're all fast, you know, I don't want to get a discussion on construction of facilities, but yeah, there's, there's, there's some differences, but the, the actual surface that you run on is, is the same. Okay. Saw a thing on social media yesterday that you're, uh, looking for a career in law enforcement. <laughs> uh, yeah. What well, is most, what exactly are you, I mean, police officer or, you know, more of the detective thing? What are you looking to do? Um, it's likely going to at least start out as, as a police officer. Not like 100% set, like, this is what I'm going to do, but I, I'm, that's the, the likely um, likely path that I'm going to uh, go down. Is that something that you've always thought about, always wanted to do, or did that just kind of come up once you got to college and started taking different courses and stuff? Um, well, I mean, in high school, I was thinking, well, I don't, wasn't entirely sure. I always kind of was kind of interested in law enforcement. I had some other um, things that I was looking at, but I liked... Um, kind of helped that my uh my parents are also uh police officers as well um and just kind of watching them I always had some interest in it um and so I was like wait this seems kind of seems kind of cool 
And then, you know, when I was looking for colleges, I was looking for, okay, who's got, you know, criminal justice programs. Um, it just happened that Superior had uh, had one, so I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go visit Superior, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good plug for the, uh, for the academic side of things. We don't touch on that very often on this show, so it's a good plug for that. One more oddball question for you, and then we'll let everybody go. Moving into outdoor season, what is the strangest thing that you've seen floating in a steeplechase pit? I've seen rubber ducks. I've seen rubber ducks and stuff in those things. What's the oddest thing you've seen? The oddest thing? Because I know some places like to play around with that. Well, yeah, I, I know. I know a that. lot of them actually put live fish in <laughs> because they do, but, and that's almost inhumane at some point, you know. But uh, oddest thing? I don't. I think I think the oddest thing I've I've seen and, and I don't you know it's not something that's just floating there but when 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 they get to the point where you've got guys who have kind of given up on that race and everybody's cheering for them to do you know cannonballs or whatever it is <laughs> belly flops etc that's a little odd you know I'm a little disappointed by that at times but I, I, as far as floating in there I don't I don't know I mean we yeah we've seen rubber duckies we've seen you know, my little mermaid type stuff and, and actual live goldfish, but I don't know. I've seen Travis sitting in the water after a race. <laughs> yeah, and that's, um, that's pretty common. Her. That's pretty common. <laughs> you know, that's, I think, oh, uh, that's I think, my student worker right there. <laughs> I think for all of, all of the, especially the, especially the steeple guys, you know, they use that as their, their ice bath when they're done. But I think a lot of distance runners will find that their way to that when it's, when the event's complete, because yeah, it's a great ice bath and, it's easily accessible. Warm. Yeah, it's, it's never warm. <laughs> they usually fill it up five minutes before the race, and then you got frozen water. It's great. Such an interesting like aspect of that race is the fact that you have like a water hazard. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like because we're used to like in track, and I broadcast a track. Every other event is just running or hurdles or whatever. Now you've not only got hurdles, now you got this water hazard you got to deal with. <laughs> it's just a very kind of unique thing and watching you know both the guys and the girls kind of splash their way through that thing is it like in broadcasting it it's, it's quite a it's quite a thing if you've never seen it especially if they're all running together i mean you get this massive group of people that are because you got to jump over a hurdle and then you go into the water and then you got to keep going and i'm always like both fascinated and also kind of like wincing because i'm waiting for somebody to like turn an ankle or something when they land on that thing or Something mm-hmm. like that to happen, and whenever it doesn't, I'm always I kind of take a deep breath until they have to come around and do it again. It happens, <laughs> you, know? you know. The the you know if you, if they're doing it right, and and you know like Jackson Lindquist, who who is our school record holder. I mean, who did it right? Uh, you know, he if if you're doing it right, you you make it one shoe wet the whole time at, at best, at most. You know, and sometimes even if if he's really moving, he he wasn't getting any shoe wet. He was just running and he was hurtling that thing and not even touching the water kind of thing. So, it if you're doing it well. You're not you're not making a big splash, right? But if you're having some fun, I guess you're making cannonballs and belly flops and backflips. That's the first time I've heard of that. Where they like, oh yeah, don't don't even bother looking that one up because you'll see some some crazy stuff. Like I said, just the uniqueness of the steeplechase, right? (laughs) Glenn Drexler, head track and field coach, head cross country coach, future officer Tyler Finger. Thanks for stopping by. Right on. Thanks, guys. Good luck this weekend, guys. Thanks. Thank you. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. 
Call or click for more information and apply today. Final segment of this week's edition of I Have the Swarm, and we thank Glenn Drexler and Tyler Finger for stopping by. And that was a good conversation. It was. You know, Very we, good. It's, uh, I think when people take a step back and they think about track and field, they think of running in a circle. Yeah. And that's pretty much where it begins and ends with yeah. them. Is it's, just, it's just people running in a circle. And I, I like having the athletes and the coaches come in because there's there's so much more to it. And that's, that's not oh, exclusive yeah. to just track and field. But in that sport in particular, I feel like there's just so much more to it than meets the eye. I'm, like, really fascinated by the psychology of it all. That's the thing. I, I feel like I could sit and talk to Glenn and Tyler about that aspect of it for a real long time. Um, they kind of let us in a little bit mm-hmm. as to the thought processes and where your where your mind goes when you're in the middle of an event, especially a distance event. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing for me because I even when I was playing team sports – especially the sports, because I played a couple that required a lot of running in basketball and soccer. Those were my two big ones. Um, I never went out there running around thinking, boy, is this just so much fun. I'm just really enjoying all this running. (laughs) I did it because I was was focusing on other things, other aspects of the game and all that kind of stuff. But um, when I had to do conditioning runs and stuff for those two sports, man, that was rough duty. Mm -hmm. And I know you feel the same way in hockey. I mean, it's not technically running, but the motion is, is similar. And, you know, I mean... You know, conditioning is not fun. No. <laughs> you know? I mean, I didn't like running killers and, <laughs> like, all of no, that stuff. No, I, I didn't care for Coach Nelson's weight vest Mondays that much. <laughs> you know, that, that stuff yeah. wasn't it's enjoyable. Not fun. They used, how many times did they use the word pain in that discussion today? A lot of it. Yeah, they yeah, talked about a it a lot. And I, and I get it completely. I mean, our, you know, conditioning is painful. Pain. Yeah. Conditioning is painful. But, you know, the flip side of it is it, it makes... It makes the games easier. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you just have more in the tank at the end. Mm-hmm. You know. So so speaking of in the tank, we're at the end of this. So how much we got left in the tank here? Well, let's see. We can, we'll try to get this out so now everybody can follow us a yes. little bit here. Okay, because not everybody's in action this week, right? Which is good. Gives us all a little bit of a breather. Yes. And a lot of teams are going to be away. Mm-hmm. So that also helps yes. a little bit. Okay. But there are also quite a few games happening. Yes. They're just not happening here. Right. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Men's basketball, as we record this on a Thursday or Tuesday, uh, Wednesday. Pick a day, Matt. Yeah, I'll pick Wednesday. How about okay, that? Okay, that's good. That's the day that we're recording this. They will be on the road tomorrow, Thursday, in the opening round of the UMAC tournament. They'll be taking on Bethany Lutheran, 7 p.m., the opening tip, down at the North Gym in Mankato. That's the UMAC tournament quarterfinal round for Coach Polkowski. Four versus Texas. five seed. That's a four or five seed, yeah. Actually, they, we have a pair of four or five seed games. Yep. The other one being the women. They're on the road as well tomorrow, Thursday. Taking on Minnesota Morris, 7 p.m. Again, that's at Jim Grimmel's court in Morris, Minnesota, UMAC tournament quarterfinals. And if they win, they move on. Yep. But the interesting thing about the tournament this year is they're going to reseed each round. So yes. it depends on who wins and who doesn't. Yeah, there's no no bracket or anything. It's all going to be reseeded. So yeah, it's, exactly. It's, so it, we're all flying by the seat of our pants and yep. figuring out who's going to be where. Yep. But it won't matter if they don't win. So both teams need to win, but they are both on the road yep. Thursday, tomorrow, as we record this, for their opening round of the tournament. Meanwhile, men's hockey and women's hockey are flip-flopping their schedules from earlier. It used to be that the men were on the road for Wednesday, and then they'd be home on Friday. Now that I don't know how in the world that happened, where (laughs) four straight weeks, yeah, and then also the men were on the road Wednesday and home Friday. You know, and it's now it's been and the women were home Wednesday and on the road Friday, and now there's the one week in here where it flips a little. You know, but it flips over. But that's a long stretch of being yeah the exact same way. 
Yeah. I mean, you get used to one thing, and then they change it up on you. Yep. But anyway, uh, women's hockey next. They are tonight at home this Wednesday taking on UW-Stevens Point, 7 p.m., and then they will be on the road taking on Stevens Point. No. No, wait, I got that wrong. Yes, you do have they're that at, They're on the road tonight <laughs> taking on UW-Stevens Point, and then they're at home yes. on Friday taking on Stevens Point. Both those games are 7 p.m. Correct. Okay, there we go. Got it right eventually. Men's hockey, meanwhile, tonight they are at home taking on UW-Stout. That's a 7 p.m. opening faceoff. Are you going to be on yep. half, half hour? 6.30. 6.30? Are you going to do that the rest of the year? Yeah. Okay. So, tonight... Blue Devils, Yellow Jackets, Westman Arena, 7 p.m., 6.30 the pregame. And then on Friday, they'll be at UW-Stout, although you won't have to make that trip. Yeah, I'm not going to be at the <laughs> Finetti Community Center this year. That's uh, That doesn't break my heart. No, I know that's one of your least favorite buildings I don't ever. enjoy that venue. I, I do not <laughs> enjoy that venue. It is always very cold in there, even though with it being unseasonably warm right now, and you're talking in the 40s outside, I'm I'm curious what the temperature inside that building would be like because I have a hunch it'd be a little more bearable. Probably what thirties? You know. It gets real cold. Well it's in the thirties on at the worst of times. Oh. You know, so I wonder if it would warm up a little bit in mm. that facility. But I didn't know. It wouldn't be I, enough to make the ice soft, would it? Well, the air temperature can play with that a little bit, but you also right, it, yeah. that's dictated more by the floor temperature. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. But I mean, doesn't that kind of well, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know enough about you know how much the the at any rate I won't I won't, the I won't be there to give you your pregame temperature like I usually am. Ah, okay, <laughs> I know that's the that's the disappointing part for John, but it is a very very small disappointment compared to not having to make that trip. Anyway, seven p.m. the opening faceoff on Friday, six thirty the pregame. Yep, Mr. Garver and Yellow Jacket men's hockey, and then that's the end of the regular season for them, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, the two hockey teams wrap up on Friday. Yeah, that's and crazy. Then they move into playoffs next week. It's just like I said, it's just crazy. Yeah keep saying that but it is yeah like there's it's more than likely the men will be playing monday night wow yeah are they gonna be on the road or home we have no idea that's right again those standings are so bunched up right now we have no No idea what that's gonna look like okay that'll come down to the very last day are they doing it by percentage like everybody else is i think so i think that's what it's gonna be okay men's indoor track and field as you heard in our previous segment is they're going for all the marbles this weekend the UMAC Championships hosted by St. Scholastica at the Burns Wellness Commons in Duluth on Saturday. The Yellow Jackets have won the past four indoor conference championships dating back to February 25th of 2017. So four straight in the hopper, mm-hmm. hopefully five straight by the end of this weekend. Although, I don't know. You, I mean, There's so much up in the air, you never know. <laughs> and I, I just, with how little they've been able to compete, that and it's not just them. I mean, it's everybody, but how right. little they've been able to compete, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell. You know, I, I can't imagine what it's like for, for Coach Drexler having basically two competitions then going into this right. to, to know exactly what you're going to get. Most years, you know what you're going to get. Right. And you can kind of plan all that out ahead of time and have an idea of how you're going to score and what your point total is going to be. I don't think he has that luxury no, this year. I don't think so either. Basically listening to him talk a little bit about it. He still hasn't made up his mind on lineup. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think it's so. I think it's going to be tricky this year. But, yeah. you know, the whole, uh, I think they're in a really good position, though. Yeah, I think that they're, you know, I mean, they're they're usual uh, strong selves, especially in distance events. So hopefully, uh, and the relays look pretty good, too. So mm-hmm. um, hopefully, like I said, it'll be a fifth straight, but we'll see. Yeah. Come Saturday. Women's volleyball on the road, taking on Northland tonight, 7 p.m., Kendrickan Center in Ashland. And then they'll be on the road again on Saturday at Minnesota Morris. They're not home again until a week from tomorrow against Correct. Uh, yep. Northland again. Yep. 
and then they'll be done with the Lumberjills. That'll be three straight times now, or three out of the first four that they will have played in L- Northland. So, yep. Um, but 7 p.m. tonight, and then 2 p.m. on Saturday, and then they'll be back home, and I'll be on the air with that one um, on a week from tomorrow. So, that's what's up with volleyball. Uh, men's and women's tennis are both off this week until Sunday, March 14th, when they'll be taking on Minnesota Morris at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse. And early returns pretty good, though. I think they they've played pretty well. I think through three matches. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a tough trip to make down to Eau Claire and then come right back and play Bethany on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, Eau Claire's good. Yeah. You know, there was they, they knew that going in. Eau Claire's really good. Yeah. So that yeah, was going to be a tough matchup. And then on Sunday, you saw him tweak things a little bit, you yep. know, and give some athletes that don't always get to play one through six singles the chance to play singles. And, you know, you didn't, Michael James didn't play singles. Yeah. On, on Sunday. He, he didn't play at all. He, yeah. he played in doubles, but he didn't play in singles. Yeah, he so. played just the singles match, yeah. or the doubles match. Yeah. That one went pretty quick. It was straight sets. So, yep. so yeah. you know, it was a, a a good day for them. They're 2-0 in the conference, so Coach Schaffner's got to like what he sees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Softball, they play two more games this week. They're at the Augie Dome, mm-hmm. or the Augie Dome games, I think is what the actual is called. Taking Augsburg, the home standing Augsburg Augies for a doubleheader this Saturday down in Minneapolis, 12.30 and 2.30 start times there. And then baseball, they are off until a week from tomorrow. But, boy, those are going to be some early games. Holy smokes. Yeah. <laughs> a week from tomorrow, they're taking on Concordia Moorhead at U.S. Bank Stadium, same place they just played Crown. But instead of playing them at night, they're going to be playing these things bright and early. 7 a.m. 7 and 9.30 a.m. That's, that's, that's a tough pull. I don't envy it's a tough pull. and his, and his no, guys. No, that that's one. a tough that's, pull. That's a tough thing to prep for, you know, but that's the, the nature of the beast in this part of the country. Yeah. When you've got a venue like that that – probably is going around the clock with these games and different things that are going on, and there you kind of get what you get. Right. And Moorhead's got to come in, what, five? That's a five-hour drive just about for them. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, four or five hours unless they got to drive in and play Unless they're being game. allowed to go in the night before. Yeah. You know? Which they might be. I which don't maybe know. maybe their administration is allowing overnight travel, but that's been one of the things that just about everybody has cut out of their schedules is yeah. overnight travel here. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But that's a that's an early riser, boy. Whew. Yeah, there are going to be some pretty sleepy-eyed baseball mm. players taking that field at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. for that first game. But uh, thankfully, they've got more than a week to work up to that. But yep. they're going to need all of that time, I would think, because that's that's going to be a rough one. That's going to be a tough one, yep. Yeah, because uh, what did you say? 3 a.m. they're going to get on the bus? Yeah, 3 a.m. departure time. <laughs> well, that makes sense because you get there, what, 5, 5.30, and then you've got an hour to get yourself about an hour and change before warm-ups? Yep. Yikes. Yeah, that's a tough pull. <laughs> Very tough. Tough but, pull. Uh, yeah, that's the such is life. That's the way it's going right now, and so we've got a bunch of events. I didn't count them all up, but uh, just about everybody is on the road this week, so um, a little different. We'll be watching from a distance, but um, yeah, that's what's happening this week. And that uh, is the the news that's fit to print with the, the Yellow Jackets coming up this week. Yep, that's it. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, good luck, Yellow Jacket. Uh, uh, indoor track and field, the men, uh, like I said, going for that fifth straight conference crown, which is really quite remarkable. Um, like I said, they've been the conference champion since 2017 now, yep. February 25th to be exact. And they actually won that first conference title over at St. Scholastica. So, um, you know, maybe it's a good building for them and, uh, you know, good luck to them. But uh, good luck to everybody. I mean, uh, it's it's one of those things right now where um, we talked about the fact that the seasons have been a little bit different this year in terms of focus. It's been more about just getting the games in versus – worrying about playoffs and standing and all that kind of stuff. Now that we're going into that crossover portion, um, games, of course, are going to be more playoff-based now, and there's going to be a little more intensity. But uh, just thankful to get all these games in, mm-hmm. you know, and hoping to get them all in. Right. That's 
Those are my thoughts. I don't know how you feel about it, but that's no. That's that's what it is. You, we go through a long stretch like this where we're not playing. So yeah, you know the the big thing now is happy to get games in, happy to see them be able to compete. Yep. You know, and that's, that's the, it. That's the biggest driver right now. Yep. So that's it. With that, we'll we'll wrap this one up. We'll have a full report next week when we sit down once again. Uh, not sure where our guests will be, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Our engineer, Elliot Sweary, he's the biggest sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garber, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm.